moment, let's welcome our first Norfolk on Volvo location. Y'all welcome them. We're so glad uh, that uh, you have joined with us today to worship God. And uh, we're continuing a series that we uh, kind of skipped from uh, with Easter, uh, this DNA series. We're looking at what makes First Norfolk who we are. Uh, today, we're talking about Christ's love. Now, uh, all of us, uh, regardless of religious background, regardless of philosophical makeup, every person uh, from the beginning of time to today and on until Jesus comes again uh, has this DNA code in them, and that is a desire to love and to be loved. Every person longs to love and longs to be loved. There's no one made who isn't that person. You are that person today. And it doesn't matter if you're young, old, male, female. Uh, you are a person made, created with a yearning and a desire to be loved and to love others. And that's who we are. Um, as we have grown uh, over time, or if not, uh, we still desire to love and to be loved, and we express that in different ways. Uh, think of it this way. When I was, uh, Edie and I, my wife and I were married, uh, and uh, as we started having children, uh, I was serving in a church uh, that allowed me the privilege at, at different times to go and uh, be a camp speaker or a retreat uh, speaker, uh, and that was a way to make a little extra money uh, for my home and uh, for all those children, uh, chittens, that were coming up. And uh, that has not changed. I still have to make a little extra money for those chittens that are coming up. But uh, I would go and, and I would speak at different camps and, and that kind of thing. My, my wife always did a great job of uh, getting my stuff ready. She knew that I wasn't thinking too much about, uh, you know, deodorant. Um, and so she, be, she was always quick to put deodorant and toothpaste, the thing that all boys always forget. That, uh, and I was 20-something, so anyway. Uh, but she would make sure I had all that. But uh, depending on the camp or the retreat, uh, usually the host church or the camp coordinator would take care of the bedding stuff, you know, bedding uh, sheets and uh, blankets and pillows. Uh, and so I would always go, and I would assume that that was what was going to happen. They were going to take care of me. And there were some camps that I would go to or retreats that I would speak at, and I would walk into the room where I was supposed to stay, and there on the bunk bed was nothing but a plastic mattress. Uh, there were no sheets, no pillows, no blankets. And, uh, and, and a smart person would have then gone to the camp coordinator or the church person in charge and said, hey, do y'all have any extra bedding materials that I could use? And, and that's what a smart person would have done. I'm not that smart. So uh, again, my makeup, it's harder for me to ask uh, for uh, help in that way. And it seemed like a weakness that I needed. I mean, I'm a man, aren't I? I can sleep on a plastic mattress without her. Blankets and bedding, right? And so what I would do, uh, instead of asking for help, what I would do is I would raid the bathroom, get all the towels that they had, and I would use the towels. And it, it, usually in those settings, they would have two bath towels and a few 
um, hand towels and maybe two uh, washcloths. And so uh, if, if you have ever done this, what you can do, I'm the kind of person, I like something uh, underneath my head, so I'll use the bath towels for my pillow, and then I would take these little hand towels and I would try to cover <laughs> my body. And so it's not that big a deal if it's the middle of summer, but there were retreats and camps that I did that were in November. And so in the middle of the night, you're waking up and you're shivering and your toes are like ice cold. You think of hypothermia set in, so you take your little uh, hand towel and you put it down around your toes. Well, you get about two minutes of sleep and then you realize everything from the neck up feels like it's an icicle, so you take it off your toes and you put it up to your nose and you get about two seconds of sleep and you realize that that uh, your right side is cold, uh, so you lay on your right side and you put the little hand towel on your left side, or your, then your left side is cold, so you lay on your left side and you put the hand, y'all get the picture. And really what it ends up being is just a night of pure frustration, where you're trying to warm yourself with a couple of these hand towels. That's the way it is for us when it comes to love. When it comes to love, what we're trying to do is we're trying to satisfy our soul, cover up our soul, warm our hearts with something that is not equipped to do it. And we end up frustrated when it comes to love. And this is the deepest yearning of our heart. The deepest yearning of our heart is to love and to be loved. And so when we have hand towel affections, we wonder why it is we're so frustrated in different areas of our life, whether it's at church or at work or at home or, or, or in our marriage or with our children or with our parents. We wonder why it is we get so frustrated it's because we're looking to those relationships to be more than what they're equipped to be. They're just equipped to be hand towels. And so when we, when we start searching and yearning uh, and, and trying to fill up the pieces that these hand towels aren't covering, that's when you start romanticizing the reality of this search and quest for love. It is romanticized. It's a real journey, but it's a romanticized journey. And there are literally millions of dollars made by country western singers who have romanticized this quest for love, this this frustration with only having a hand towel kind of love and wanting a love that will cover all that we are. And there are many that I could quote, but there's one that really sinks deep into my soul and into my memory and one that that I I can quote at any time, uh, although there are many. This one seems to fit the best. It's from... uh, Uh, the Urban Cowboy soundtrack. It's a guy named Johnny Lee, and he had a cowboy hat uh, that had a big feather on the front. He was uh, tough. Anyway, uh, he sang a song that goes something like this. Looking for love in all the wrong places. Looking for love in too many faces. Searching their eyes, looking for traces of what I'm dreaming of. (laughs) Hoping to find a friend and a lover God bless the day I discover another heart. Ooh, ooh. 
looking for love. And that's just one of many songs that talk about the quest for love. And it's not just romanticized in, the, the, in, in country songs, but it's also in the culture of Disney. A tale as old as time. A song as old as rhyme. Beauty and the Beast. It's displayed in, in characters that, that we sympathize with. Cinderella, experiencing all kinds of, of abuse, longing to love and to be loved. Finally getting to go to a, a big banquet and a ball and, and getting to dance with the prince who will be the king. And then all of a sudden the clock chimes 12 and she races away. And all that she leaves behind as a clue for the prince to track her down in his kingdom is a little glass slipper. And he finds her. And they live happily ever after. But that's not true. See, sometimes the glass slipper shatters. Sometimes the beauty and the beast, the beast who became a beauty, turns back into a beast. And all the while, we're still searching for that love that will delight our soul. And yet we're depending on something that is not equipped to do it. And that's why the value that we look at today is that the greatest delight in life is experiencing Not just love, not just any kind of love, but the only kind of love that will satisfy our soul. The only love that will feed the yearning of our heart. The only love that will fill up all the missing pieces of our life. The only love that can warm us head to toe, inside and out. The only love that will cover us completely and sufficient for every aspect of our life. This is the love of Jesus Christ. If you want to taste love, then here it is. It doesn't depend on your husband. It doesn't depend on your wife. It doesn't depend on your children or your parents, your cousins or your uncles. It does not depend on how your boss treats you or how your neighbors treat you. It doesn't depend on how well you're liked in the church or how popular you are in the community. The only thing that matters is your connection to Jesus Christ. He offers you a love that will fill you up. And satisfy you inside and out. That's what Paul is talking about in Ephesians chapter 3. In Ephesians chapter 3, Paul begins a prayer in verse 14. And he's, he's praying for, for the Ephesian believers. And he's, he's praying that, that, uh, that, that they might experience Christ's love. And that's my prayer for you. Look, I've been praying for you this week. I've been praying that you would be overwhelmed by the love of Jesus Christ. That you would be so consumed by his love that it would chase away your bitterness and chase away your hatreds and chase away your disappointment and chase away your fear and chase away every longing and yearning that you have unfulfilled. I've been praying that you would taste 
the love of Christ, for it is the love of Christ that will delight your soul completely. So Paul begins with this prayer, Ephesians 3, beginning in verse 14. He says, For this reason I bow to my knees. I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and the length and the depth and the height, to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. As we look at this passage, I, 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 I want us to see and understand that, that the love of Jesus is, is so much more than, than just the sentimentality that, that, we have, that we've settled for. It's more than the romance novels that, that allure us for a moment but, but leave us kind of wanting in the end. It's, it's more. You know, so often we think of, of love in terms of a, of a cool breeze on a hot summer day, but the love of Jesus is so much more than that. We, we think of love as a warm fire in the middle of winter's chill, but the, the love of Jesus is so much more than that. We think of love as flowers and candy and kisses and kindness, but the love of Jesus is so much more than that. The love of Jesus sinks down to the very heart of who we are and shapes our lives toward delight and joy beyond the ordinary. How do we get hold of that? And should we get hold of that? See, there are some people here today, and I believe this, there are some, and you just don't believe that the love of Jesus is what I'm talking about. You, you, don't, think it is, you don't think it is life's greatest delight. Well, let's, let's try to answer that. Why is the love of Christ life's greatest delight? Why, why, is it, why would I suggest this? Why, why would this be a value for our church? Why do we think Christ's love is, is so powerful? Because as we look at who Jesus is, the mission that God has sent him on, as we look at him, we see what his love does and his love meets the deepest yearning of our heart. It is his love that scratches the most profound itch that we have, and that is to be loved. Why is the love of Christ life's greatest delight? Well, because, first of all, it's his love that shatters our shame. Now, we all have shame. You all know, know shame, right? Shame is something that we experience because of things that we have done and and uh, many times people remind us of those things that we have done and awaken that shame in us. We understand what shame is, right? We all should because we've all blown it. All of us have blown it badly. And you can, you can fool me about that and you can pretend with others that you haven't blown it badly, but you're just playing a game, as, as would I be. Somebody said to me the other day, you know, I don't like it when you tell me that you blow it or that you sin. And I'm like, what do you think I am? <laughs> oh, yeah, I sin, and I sin badly, and I've sinned really badly in my life. I pray that I sin less today than I did yesterday, but my goodness, I've sinned bad. I've failed profoundly. 
And the natural result of that failure, the natural result of our sin is shame. But the love of Jesus Christ has come to pay the price for that pain and that shame. The love of Jesus Christ has come to eradicate those shackles uh, of, of sin that have bound me and the penalty of that sin and, and even the condemnation of my crimes against the holiness of God. Jesus has come to cover it with his perfection. His love says to me, I know you've blown it, but I love you still. I know you've blown it, but guess what? I'm going to make you right in the sight of God. I'm going to chase away condemnation and shame, and now you are free to live in the glory and the joy of a life that is bound to this love. Romans chapter 8 says it this way, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Look, if all we, if all we have is this hand towel affection that, that uh, attempts to forgive us when we do badly, that, that's good. That's not bad. That's good. But, but please understand, the love of Jesus is eternally committed to obliterate the shame that can overwhelm us and lead us into despair. Here is what Jesus' love does. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Why is Christ's love life's greatest delight? It's because it chases away our shame. It's because it fixes what's broken in us. I'm a little bit broken. Not only do I have to deal with failures from my past, but I have to deal with the things that I've broken because of the failures from my past. I'm a little broken. I'm a little bit cracked. Or cracked up, I don't know. A little bit of both. Remember last week I said... Don't get all upset about Mary Magdalene. We all have a little bit of crazy in us. Yeah, I'm a little broken. I don't say it with pride. I say it with gratitude to God who has loved me through Jesus who has come to fix what's broken in me. In John chapter 14, Jesus is preparing his disciples for him to be gone. I mean, he's getting ready to leave, and, and as he's preparing to leave them, he wants to give them some instructions that will help them. And, and so in verse 27 of John 14, he's ending up his, his discussion, and he says, okay, guys, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not, not as the world gives do I give it to you. Let not your heart be troubled, nor neither let it be afraid. Now, what's he saying there? Well, peace is a big word. Peace doesn't mean the absence of conflict. Peace means I'm going to give you the fullness of life that I've got. I'm going to give you a life without any missing parts. I'm going to give you a life that is whole and complete. And you're no longer bound by your brokenness. Now, because of my love, Jesus says, I'm going to fix what's broken in you so that you don't have to live in fear and you don't have to live dodging bullets of your past. Or afraid of the bullets that will come from your future. But you can live no longer a broken life, but a life made whole by the love of Jesus Christ. Why is Christ's love our greatest delight? Because it's only Christ's love that can fix what's broken in us. 
And here's our problem. See, we like to look to other people to fix what's broken in us. We're depending on some other relationship to fix what's broken in us. We're depending on our husband or our wife or our parents or our cousins or our nephews or our, our counselors. And, all those, and all, those things, all those people can be helpful, but they can't fix us. Jesus, in his love, is more than helpful. Jesus, in his love, can fix us. He can make us whole. That's why his love is so important. That's why his love is what we need. Why is Christ's love life's greatest delight? It's because his love is, is never fickle. Get this. He has a love that doesn't, doesn't burn hot one day and grow cold the next. He doesn't have a love that is here today and gone tomorrow. He doesn't have a love that is passionate toward us, dependent upon how we are passionate toward him. I want you to hear this. The love of Jesus is as passionate toward me when I'm at my worst as it is passionate toward me when I'm at my best. Why is this love so delightful? Because this is the love that loves me the way I am. Certainly, he doesn't want me to stay that way. But even if I did, get it, he loves me powerfully. Eternally. His love is not fickle. Think about his disciples and his dealings with his disciples in John chapter 13. He's getting ready. He knows he's about to be killed. He's getting his disciples ready for him to be killed. And as he sits down with them, he knows, in fact, John writes, he says, Jesus knowing that his hour had come. He knows he's about to be arrested. He knows in a few hours he will be arrested and go through this horrific trial and pain and, 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 and then die on a cross. He knows all this is going to happen. Not only that, he knows what his disciples, his 12 closest friends are going to do. They're going to betray him. They're going to deny that they know him. And they're going to abandon him in his most dire circumstances. This is how his 12 friends are going to act. They're going to betray him. They're going to deny him. They're going to abandon him. And John 13, verse 1, Jesus, knowing that his hour had come, when he, as he had loved those who were his in the world, he loved them to the end. He loved them to the very end. He, he loved them in spite of the worst that they gave to him. He loved them. He loved them even though they were unfaithful to him. He has a love that is not fickle. He has a love that is not dependent on how I behave. His love for me is not conditioned on my behavior. He loves me extravagantly in spite of my behavior. My goodness, he came and he died on a cross while I was a sinner, hostile toward him. That is his love in action. It is not a fickle love. It is a faithful love. It is a pursuing love. It is a conquering love. The, Romans chapter 8, verse 38 and 39, uh, Paul writes, I'm persuaded neither death nor life, nor principalities, nor powers, uh, nor angels, nor things present, nor things to come, nor heaven, nor hell, nor anything on earth will ever be able to separate us from the love of Christ. He loves us. Oh my goodness to have that kind of love. And yet we want to settle for this. 
Christ's love is life's greatest delight. His love never fades and His passion is always persistent. His, his love is a love and, and, and we symbolize love with fire, don't we? You know, fire. He got fire in his heart, you know. And Johnny Cash, you know, I'm, I, I, I'm in a ring of fire, you know. I mean, he's talking about fire and love and passion, right? So often the flame burns bright and then the ashes the next morning. Have you ever had a bonfire, seen a bonfire? How high and hot that fire can be. But you go there 24 hours later and it's just ash. It's gone. Christ's love is not like a bonfire. All ablaze one moment and ash the next. Christ's love is a mighty river whose source has an endless supply that flows. And all who dip their life and their soul and their being in that river are satisfied by His life-giving, transforming love. Here, friends, is how we can be satisfied. This is where we find delight on this earth. This is where our souls are nourished completely. It's in the love of Jesus Christ for us. His love is, is, is wide enough to forgive our sin. It's long enough to be patient with us when we're stubborn. It's deep enough to secure us even in our darkest moments. It's high enough even to take us to the very throne of God. This is God's love. Its dimensions are enough and sufficient to cover every aspect of our life and our day and even our relationships. Why is Christ's love life's greatest delight? Because Christ's love answers the deepest yearning of your heart and mine. So how do we experience Christ's love? How can we experience it? And can I just say, if you, if you are trying to experience Christ's love by just coming to church or doing a bunch of religious things or doing a moral kind of path or trying to, trying to make sure your goodness is on target, if that's your model and, and the way you've been trying to, to, to answer the cry of your heart, then you're going to come up short. That, that's not how we get hold of the love of Christ. I mean, Paul said, hey, listen, I'm praying to the God of heaven by whom every uh, family on heaven and earth is named that, that, that he might, uh, that he might uh, grant you according to his glorious riches uh, strengthening through the Spirit in your inner person. So this is a work that only Jesus can do, only God can do by His Spirit. He, he's got to strengthen us so that there's something that happens on the inside of us. This is not the works that we do. This is the work that God has done for us. He, he, he prays that, that the Spirit of God would awaken us. Well, guys, that's the first step, by the way. If, 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 you, want, if you want to experience the love of Christ, how about let's just pray. How about let's just pray. I've been praying for you this week that you would taste the love of Jesus. That, 
look, I know you're hurting. There are so many people in this room and, and who gathered with us this weekend and, and you're hurting and, and, and you're, you're, you're overwhelmed by, by circumstances and situations in your life. I understand your pain. I, I can't fix it. I'm, I'm, just a, I'm just a hand towel. I can't fix it, but Jesus can. How about talking to him about your hurt and your heartache and let him apply his love to your situation? The way we experience Christ's love, let's just pray. Let's talk, to, let's talk to Jesus about it. Let's bring him into the fray of our struggle or our life or our circumstance, our relationships. Let's talk to, let's talk to the Father about it. As we pray, we need to understand that also this idea of faith, we've got to believe. We've got to pray and we've got to believe. There's this idea of faith that... That, that needs to take hold of us. And, and faith in this context, it says that, that Christ may dwell in your heart through faith. You see that? Christ may dwell in your heart through faith. Now, faith in there, in that context, is not believing that Jesus was a guy or, or even believing that Jesus uh, was who he said he was. Faith here is you saying, I believe Jesus more than anything else. It means I'm going to trust Jesus more than I trust my emotions, more than I trust my husband, more than I trust my wife, more than I trust my boss, more than I trust my ability, more than I trust my works. I'm going to trust Jesus more than anything else. I mean, it is absolutely diving in head first into the river that, of, of, of Christ's love. It's saying, this is my hope. This is my joy. This is my, this is my sustenance. This is my strength. This is what I need. If we're, if we're, going, to, if we're going to to experience Christ's love, we gotta, we got to pray and we got to believe. But, but also there's this, this last aspect, and, and, and it's part of faith, part of believing, but it's the whole idea that if I, want, if I want more love, then I need more Jesus. More Jesus equals more love. Okay? Now, I want you to grab that because this is so key for us. More Jesus equal more love. Now, how do I get more of Jesus? Well, Jesus has given us everything that he is. He, he's given us all that he is. So what keeps me from getting more of Jesus? Well, it's me. I'm the one that keeps me from getting more of Jesus. The river of his love is flowing, and all I have to do is dive in. But the challenge for me is sometimes I don't want to dive in. In John chapter 15, verses 19 and 11, Jesus is talking to his disciples, and again, he's preparing them for his, his death and resurrection. He says, okay, um, I want you to abide in my Father's love just as I have abided. I want you to abide in my love just as I have abided in my Father's love. Okay, the picture there is the same here that Paul writes in Ephesians 3. It is, I want you to make your home in my love. Be rooted and grounded in my love. I want you to abide in my love. This is key for us. This is where delight comes for us. This is, this is what we need. We've got to abide in his love. Dive in, immerse in his love. Well, how do we do that? Well, he tells us in verse 10. You abide in my love when you obey my commandments. Now, this isn't earning his love. This isn't somehow going through this transaction where if I do what he says, then I get more of his love. No, 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 no. The, the, the key here is the river is already flowing, and it's available to us. 
But the way that we jump into the river is when we live in harmony with the will of the one who has the love. We got we to gotta live our lives in harmony. You can't stand on the bank and then blame the river for not getting you wet. And that's what we do. When we, when we don't live according to the will, when we don't live in harmony with Jesus, then we blame Jesus for not loving us. No, he loves us. We just got to dive in, and that means that we've got to abide with him. Abide with him means that we obey his command. So we got to live in harmony with his will. And then the result is verse 11, John 15, 11. He says, these things I've spoken to you that my joy might remain in you and your joy might be full. Here's delight. This is joy unfettered. This is what we want. This is the yearning of our soul. More Jesus equal more love. So often we sit on the sidelines on the banks and we we wonder why it is that we don't experience the love that Jesus offers. It's because that we're we're not diving in. We have, to, we have to let go our hand towel affections so that we can take hold of the love of Jesus Christ, the perfect love. This is the love that can satisfy the yearning of every heart. This is the love of Christ that will soak our lives and our homes and our church with a wellspring of joy. This is, the, this is the love that makes our souls sing even in the darkest moments. We don't have to search for love in all the wrong places. We've got Jesus who's given us himself and he's given us life so that we might live in the fullness of God, so that we might be overwhelmed and saturated and soaked in delight today. Let's go to Jesus and let's find Our delight in Him. Would you bow your heads, please? These next few moments, I I just want to encourage you. if, If you're here and uncertain about whether or not you've ever experienced the love of Christ, I want to just challenge you. The the very first thing that has to happen for any person to taste the love of Christ is they have to become part of God's family. They have to allow the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross and and depend upon that sacrifice as payment for one's sin. And, And they've got to see the resurrection from the dead as uh, the, the, the opportunity for new life. They, they, you, if you want to taste the love of Christ, um, the very first step is by faith, trusting in Jesus and, and, and abandoning yourself into his grip. It's, it's that transformation that needs to take place. Jesus called it being born again or born from above. There has to be this change that takes place in you. And if you have doubts as to whether you've experienced that change, then I invite you today Uh, to settle those doubts and to choose Jesus. This is not a call to be more religious or more churchy. This is a call to come to Christ and be transformed by Him. I invite you to come to Christ and be changed. Some of you are here today and you 
are carrying around a, a load of bitterness and anger. Stemming from hurt or pain or abuse or how you've been done wrong, and I get that. But you know, God doesn't want you to walk around in that bitterness and pain and anger any longer. He wants you to immerse yourself in the love of Jesus. Be set free. There's another little section here in Ephesians 3 where Paul writes, he says that, that we might be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and the height and the length and the depth to know the love of Christ. That little phrase, with all the saints, is important for us today as well. See, we're here together. And my prayer, one of the things I've been praying for us this week is that the Spirit of God would enable us as he sows the seed of grace and love in our hearts, that we would then share that love with each other. Love is not something that God has called us to hoard to ourselves, but rather he's called us to share it together. In fact, one of the ways that we see the love of Jesus more powerfully is by how we give and receive love in the family of faith. I wonder how many of us are missing out on love, the full taste, the full measure of love, because we're not sharing that love with others. Maybe that's what you need to do today. You find someone, just share the love of Jesus. So together we might comprehend, apprehend this wonderful, powerful, limitless love that delights our soul. Maybe you need to come to this altar and talk to the Father about how you need a fresh anointing of the love of Jesus or how that you are committing yourself to obey, uh, to, to live in harmony with the will of Jesus so that you might taste his love more fully. And maybe you need to come and, and pray about your own brokenness and, and ask the love uh, Jesus in his love to once again give you peace, a wholeness of life, life without any missing pieces. Maybe you just need to come and thank God for how he's transformed your life. These next few moments, I invite you to come. And some just need to sit and reflect and talk to the Father. Some of you need to come to this altar. Others of you, if today is the day for you to choose Christ and be forgiven forever your sin and experience new life and for the first time, taste the love of Jesus. If that's you, I invite you to come to myself or one of the ministers that will be up here at the front. Don't lead a loveless life. Don't be frustrated by loves that cannot satisfy. Today, taste the love, the love of Christ. And find your life's greatest delight. O Father, in this moment, by your grace, do a work that only you can do. Overwhelm us in our own uh, ambitions, desires, weaknesses, thoughts, intents. Will you just shatter uh, all those things that are going in our head and our heart right now and just let us yield to you in this moment. Oh God, I pray that we might experience your love today and that we would be transformed by it. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.